Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. Now, I would not hold myself out as a specialist when it comes to sports psychology. Uh, and what I mean by that is that when it comes to sports, maybe I should make it even more generic. Performance. Let's call it performance psychology. What I mean by that is someone has to, obviously, as the word would seem to suggest, perform. And we're better to measure that than in sports. And uh, with that, competition. And with that, <laughs> who you're competing with. Um, and though I may not hold myself out as a specialist when it comes to performance or sports psychology, I think performance, and in this way, measuring yourself, assessing yourself, everybody does that, <laughs> more or less. And when we recognize what others are thinking, we reflect upon it more personally. And when we think about what others might be thinking, we're maybe coming from a more personal perspective and then expanding it into a more general, again, or uh, broader sort of context of others. It's just the way the human psychology <laughs> operates or operational systems that define psychology function. Psychology Today, December of 2022, the pronoun I signals truthfulness. The person is committed to what they are saying. Self-focus, as it happens, is not the same thing as self-importance. We all appear to shift toward I pronouns when self-focus makes sense and when we are talking about our own work product or activities or when facing life stressors, an example, after a breakup or other traumatic event. It's only when self-focus becomes extreme or overly intense that the amount of I talk may point to a more serious mental health issue. When I should worry... A multitude of studies in both clinical and non-clinical settings have revealed the depressed or that depressed individuals routinely use more I pronouns than others. In letters written by college students who were clinically depressed, there were more I pronouns than in letters by other students. And poets who later committed suicide were found to use higher rates of I pronouns than those who did not. If high use of singular pronouns can be proven to serve as a signal of severe emotional distress, then changes in an individual's rates and types of pronoun use over time might be valuable for the clinicians who monitor and assess them. It also opens up the possibility that providing patients with opportunities to switch perspectives between self and other focused pronouns might provide some positive benefit. The research is limited on the question of whether consciously changing one's pronoun usage might itself improve mental state. In at least one study, shifting focus away from oneself in a diary writing exercise, narrating the same event by first using the first person, example, I, me, then shifting to the second, you, and finally, to the third, she and they provide therapeutic benefit.
People's pronoun choice offers a unique opportunity to determine how they see themselves within the stories they tell and provides a surprising window into their psychological, emotional, and social states. These few simple everyday words turn out to be exceptionally revealing. Valerie Fridland, PhD, is a professor of linguistics at the University of Nevada, Reno, and the author of Like Literally, Dude, According, excuse me, Arguing for the Good and Bad English. The pronoun I signals truthfulness. The person is committed to what they are saying. Psychology Today, and this would be the December 2022 edition. Now, what does any of this have to do with sports psychology or performance psychology? Simply because when you're doing something where there is a performance dimension attached to it, and how do we kind of see it again in performance terms or what sort of helps us to know that it's a performance issue or performance uh, scenario, there's competition. <laughs> and, and with that who you're competing against, and maybe there's also a dimension of audience. But possibly all of life has some aspect of both. We're all three. Competition, performance, and an audience. And I think this article, though it's speaking specifically toward linguistics and language and the use of pronouns, the idea, though, that we have to measure ourselves <laughs> in certain terms to know whether or not we're performing well. And then take that data and apply it in some sort of personalized dimension or way, as within hope of some correction and being able to then go back and forth, internal, external. Maybe it's three-dimensional in the sense that the article captured as, uh, captures it as first person, I and me, shifting to second, you, and finally third, she and they. I think it just captures operations, <laughs> or at least it captures primary operation in this way. We have to take in the data. We have to make sense of it. And if there is any sort of common, again, universal performance, it's living. And with that, success. Now, you could make a good case that success isn't the same for everyone. But bringing it down even so to something much like that in terms of basics, Life, living, versus not living. Uh, quality of life. There's a, a bit of enhancement that goes with that. And though we may call those gray areas, some would make quality of life even as important. Suppose it couldn't be more important than living. Because <laughs> if you're not alive, then quality in that sense, if it's all about being alive, really doesn't matter. <laughs> There's no way to measure that. But as long as you're functioning within that category of live living, and with that then life is a bit of performance, maybe it's not a sport. Although a lot of individuals believe that sports in itself 
is a very good lesson. <laughs> a good teacher offers many good lessons or essentially a very good lesson in life. How to live your life. How to win. How to take losses. How to make corrections. <laughs> Even if you're a detailed sort of person. Which may or may not have anything to do with the quality of your life. Seemingly quantity related. But details... They give a lot of dimension to or add a lot of dimension and enhancement, potentially an enhancement sort of way. You could use them to point out qualitative sort of differences, I suppose. That that becomes then statistically <laughs> how healthy, how long, how much. It's a broad continuum. And certainly we're capturing it in somewhat binary terms. Living, not living, quality, quantity. But why not me and them? Uh, I and you. Or as again the article would call it, I, me, and then you, and then she and they. And we're into a, a lot, it seems, anymore much. It seems anymore in terms of social discussion or discussion about culture and social issues that includes similar sorts of, I guess, points, notions. Uh, identity itself maybe is a continued exercise in, in these three basic factors. The I, me, the you, and the she, they. But why would then, as the article points out, the use of such pronouns, why would that then be a good indicator of dysfunction or disorder or mental health issue? And in particular, such the focus upon the I, me, that one then could get, correlates to, could get depressed. And more even than that, maybe one of the more solid indicators of not only depression, but potential for suicide, ending one's life, is I, me, pronouns, statements. And why wouldn't it be, I suppose, if we look at it in this kind of context? And I'm about to offer that. Maybe it just suggests that operationally we're only living in one dimension. <laughs> and maybe that's the point. It doesn't have to be so much just the I, me dimension. It could be, and I believe we all know if you think about it for a moment or as I'm making the point on the podcast today, think about it. You would think about it. We all know people who are much too concerned about what other people think. And even though that, that may be more generally culturally oriented, even the you, <laughs> second dimension, though we'll hold it as distinctive for the sake of the article, and I'm sure for the sake of being uh, precise or <laughs> detail-oriented, it's useful. 
Maybe the you is a bit of a transitional move between the I and the me and the she and the they. Maybe it's intimacy in the sense of external versus internal. uh, Or even so, separation of, of, again, identity, me, a person, an individual from the broader social context. That's one of those psychological milestones when we're able to differentiate ourselves from the rest of everything else. It's just how we do things. But getting back to my case I'm trying to make or attempting to make on the podcast, maybe it just suggests we're stuck in one way of looking at it. Whereas we need at least the two, and possibly, if you include the you dimension, all three. And if you're not going to get feedback from others, and as we like to call it, you're way too much into yourself, you're way too introspective, though you may be equally critical, analytically so, taking in data, trying to make sense of it, adapting, practicing your thesis, or at least practicing good empiricism, (laughs) hypothetical deductive reasoning, trying to sort it all out, trying to make good decisions, best choices. If you're only getting information, or your information, though it may be across the entire human apparatus of all the sensorium, if you're only going to process it within one dimension, a unidimensional sort of perspective, you're going to miss a lot of perspective. And though perspective doesn't change the facts, it does change the opinions. And how you see it, you may be seeing the same truth, but seeing it within all three of those perspectives, or from all three of those dimensions of maybe perspective, maybe that's what we should call it, or how we should describe it, Maybe that will allow you then to see it best and you'll probably expect those that are seeing it more from the, again, she, they perspective are not going to see it exactly the same way you do coming from the I, me perspective. And when you then operate, if there is any truth to possible factual fact and then truth to interpretatively so, interpretatively so, the usefulness of the you dimension factor. Maybe that's when we are kind of taking both. We're making that move from self, so phenomenologically, subjectively oriented self, to a broader worldview. But you've got to kind of shift that, make that shift, shift that gradually, more slowly. Maybe a bit pensively. If you do it too quickly, you may again miss some dimension of quality or nuance, which could be very important, even if you're a quantitative sort of person. Those details offer much more opportunity to explore quality if they continue to reveal enhancement sort of I guess, oriented conceptualizations, thoughts, 
Yeah, it's blue, but it may be more purple. It may be more royal, which may be one and the same. I'm not sure for me. I'm not really good at maybe dif- differentiating always in that enhancement sort of way. But you get the point. And with that, and you can apply that to any of the senses. But why not overall taking the senses and then interpreting what's truth and reality? After all, again, it's more sort of like life. You really can't measure quality if you're not alive. Uh, all this qualitative sort of aspect of analysis and kind of getting the big picture and enjoying life across the broadest of, I guess it's a homogenization, kind of a blending together of all of this as with basic human operational systems, emotions, thoughts. Putting those together to live life adaptively, to live life in the highest order of empirical thinking or thought, or taking the empirical and applying thinking or thought. Again, best research model, taking the facts and determining truth. And though all of that, particularly the truth part, is rather fluid, it should not be without, again, some pensive sort of exercise. Maybe the art of persuasion lies in the you. (laughs) Somehow taking what's in you and projecting it or putting on somebody else and likewise they're taking what's in them and putting on you in a more, again, spoke of intimacy earlier. Now intimacy is numbers (laughs) rather than so many at any one time to put together. Maybe it's best if you do it one at a time. There's much to be said for relationship building one relationship at a time. It doesn't matter how many relationships you end up with and hopefully if you do them one at a time they'll be solid whatever they are whether they're really keepers as in really your person or persons or really intimate truly intimate connected with you in long term sort of context maybe even love context or whether they're more generally speaking just occasional focused upon a particular situation demand teamwork not the person that lives with you speaking again to intimacy but we have to move back and forth (laughs) and not only singularly once you add all of that up it becomes cumulative and adding you've got a lot of relationships (laughs) you're going to have a lot of opportunities for encounters you're going to be shifting that gear a lot frequently who knows how much within any, within any given period of time. It's really, when you think of it, quite a complex but yet elegant and exquisite. I'm going to use the word exquisite. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's a enhancement, a qualitative. It's a language, certainly. Sort of uh, adjective-wise, language-related way of capturing it. But maybe the focus shouldn't be so much on any of those dimensions, the I, me, the you, the she, they. Maybe it should be focused upon the highest of levels of existence, which is the exquisite, which is the ability to be and live in science, or at least 
as we would call science, elegant and exquisite, <laughs> to at least adopt that as much your identity as any of these other factors. And whether or not you can, especially since science is more conceptual than it is material, that's a bit of a challenge. But thinking of it this way and hoping that my audience that would actually listen to the podcast would be inclined to at least allow me to bend it a bit, their mind, their thoughts, it gets you out of yourself and gives you a place to go to when you need to. Data of self or in self dimension is important, the I-me dimension. Maybe the you is again more outside of the conceptual. It has some pragmatic or practical sort of application, materially speaking. And then there's the she and they dimension. It's important as well. But You could get lost in any of those three. You could get stuck in any of those three, depending on what and whom you're speaking to, what is being defined, the experience, the definitions. What is truth? Literally, what is truth? It's a question, but it's maybe also a statement. The what of life, the truth of life. But if you don't have something to come back to in this way of objectivity, if you don't have something adaptively speaking to come back to that allows you to remove yourself in some very, 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 as I'm making again, the argument for maybe the highest order of adaptability or operations, it's really not, it's really no longer you. You've gone to some other place. You've exited even so all the things that would define you materially would also then represent things that would bind you materially, limit you, cause you to be stuck, which again, for me, maybe is really pathology. Maybe all human pathology comes from being frozen in one or all three of these perspectives if they don't allow you to take it to the highest order to step outside yourself. And maybe that is attached in some sort of important way to the biochemistry or at least the thought that what are we? The sum of all of our parts or are we when we get to the sum of all of our parts something so much more? Maybe we're more than the sum of all of our parts if it takes us to this place. Maybe all of the sum of our parts have to logistically be rightly aligned. (laughs) That in of itself is, again, pretty elegant and exquisite, but not at this highest level, possibly, except when it would be attached to then this highest level of thought, orientation, perspective, paradigm. It's you, but it's really not you. It's them, but it's really not singularly them. It's me looking at you and you looking at me and us reflecting in a more immediate sort of moment, this idea of me taking all that is me, the I, me, extending it to you and then me and you both, maybe in some ways joining together to become one so that we can extend it even further into the broadest of terms. Some are better at that. Some are not as good at that. I would also say life experience when it comes to operations 
has a lot to speak to in particular developmental milestones coming online, cognitive operations, emotional operations, that too is a psychological consideration. But people get fixated. They get arrested because they can't resolve it. The threat to life, or that goes with life, risk, maybe is another way of saying that. The competition dimensions, they get in the way. Too much losing. <laughs> losing badly. I can't do this. How do I know? Because when I did my initial appraisal, whether I was fully mature at the time or not, whether all those systems were ever online or not, that's a consideration. They might bodily, materially, physiologically come online, but psychologically, you may never know they're there because psychologically, you don't want to test it anymore. You want to quit. And I think that comes back to the article in this sense too. The subjective is very important, valuable data. But if it's the only data, or if it's still extended to outside yourself to others, but you're not able to take it to this highest level of processing, you're probably not going to get the highest level of actualization. Abraham Maslow made that case. You can't take care of the basic survival needs. You're probably not going to have the ability energy-wise, I'm saying functionally, I'm saying operationally, because everything is going to be about survival. Your whole fixation or focus in life is going to be about making sure the bad doesn't happen again. And learning how to, out of psychological, even if you remove the physical dimensions of that risk, how to be courageous enough to start testing it again so that you continue the process or continue along the continuum or that process of self-actualization, which again may not ever end until you do. It's fluid. It is the ongoing necessity to interpret the facts and in some sort of personalized, subjective way, bring it to more objective, not only perspective, but application that includes others and whatever else socially or materially defines your environment. The world that you occupy, you don't occupy it alone. <laughs> it's ecological or connected. But I believe the article is accurate in its, I guess, primary supposition or theory <laughs> that somehow, as we describe, use language to describe our perspective, and it comes out of our mouth and such pronouns as I and me, the more likely it is to be subjective, the more likely any of the critical analysis even that you may be able to do if it's limited to just that perspective, you're going to come up realizing you don't know everything. <laughs> you may be taking in data, but you can't see everything in that broadest of perspective. You need others' perspectives. <laughs> you need to shift that from an I, me to a she, they 
and then back again, but you need to always come back to land at some point along the way in this highest order of empirical processing, science, which is possibly your identity. It could be your identity. I'm a scientist. Although, who isn't one, if you look at this way? Maybe you didn't go to university and learn all the details. Maybe you don't have all the experience in that way to make sure that what you're doing is sound empirically, valid and reliable, the model that you're using, that you're employing. But we're all scientists in the way that that's really what life is. And I guess in some ways, getting back to sports, if you give up and you quit trying, (laughs) if the defeats mount to the point where you stop thinking you can win, (laughs) you, you get to the place of burnout, you get to the place of depression. You, you never reach a point where you can claim any of the validation that goes with being valid. Any of the sort of edification that goes with being accomplished. Even knowing how to take the losses and learn from them. There's a validation in that. Take the feedback and make modifications. <laughs> Change with... The demands of even your more material and physical demands of your environment. But when you come see someone who does what I do for a living, or when you seek psychological counseling or input, if they're practicing themselves the highest order, if their identity is associated and aligned with this highest order, though they're bound to have I and me moments, Though they're bound to see it in you terms. (laughs) Though they're bound to also have to navigate the she and they. The three D's of human dimension. Go for the fourth dimension. (laughs) They, They also are experts at taking it back to the fourth dimension. The higher. More esoteric, I suppose. But they're not going to live there. You have to. You can't live in some pie-in-the-sky aspect of idealism. You have to have practical applications. And though we're aspirational, and we would, in that same sort of way, believe the sky's the limit, it's not. If you measure it only singularly from more material, such personalized, subjective sort of orientation, and especially if you're coming to see someone, you've fallen into the trap and made everything not only phenomenologically so, but absent these other dimensions, especially the fourth dimension, as I've chosen to call it, on the podcast today, or at least make that what I mean, define it by that, fourth dimensional operations, um, you're in a box. And really, in that way, boxes... They may have tops and bottoms and sides, but if you're in a box and you can't figure out how to get out of the box, you're trapped. And I do think that kind of comes back to the notion of you may be alive, but what kind of life is it? And 
what quality of life and maybe the worst of it is you've done it to yourself or you've allowed the situations, circumstances, the what and whom's of your life, persons included, other individuals, the she's and they's, to corrupt your perspective, to corrupt your paradigm. To affect your identity, E-F-F-E-C-T and A-F-F-E-C-T. And I'm here to help liberate you. And for a moment or time, we'll enter into a we. as <laughs> with the you. And the article doesn't use that term. Maybe that's what the you is. is more the we. But we'll enter into a you and I coming together in such a way that we make a we that allows us then to kind of operate at least for a moment in some sort of unity with one idea in mind, and that is to help you, assist you to bring forth or out of that encounter an awareness, an understanding, a shift in your own perspective that allows you to take the facts and see another perspective, truth, truism, to view it in this four-dimension sort of way. And then take you out of the box. Allow you to make modifications. Measures of quality as well as quantity or vice versa. Measures of uh, quantity as well as quality. And get you back to the place where you're doing that for yourself, with others, without the need for me. And I'm not saying that you either would need somebody like me or you have to have always somebody that functions in that way in your life, but I think probably the second, the latter, is more true. You probably do need somebody who functions that way in your life. And if you don't have that, or if you're in such the box that you can't trust others, or that's part of the box that you're in, then I'll do that for a while until you can do that more on your own and we can, in freeing you, overcoming your trust issues, uh, enhancing quality and quantity, the relationships you have. Hopefully they're all, again, built upon this uh, dimension of adaptability, that you're sharing your life with someone who sees it in fourth dimension terms, then you can take over for yourself. I don't know that I need to say it in this way. I don't know that it's wrong to in the, every podcast, which up to this point I've trended to, tended to, or trended in the direction of doing, to say, but that's why I do the podcast. Uh, even if I can't be in a more physical dimension part of your world, as with material presence. Although I guess in some ways, if you're listening, <laughs> then I am. But I've always considered the internet, where <laughs> most of you are, if not exclusively so, are getting this podcast kind of more ethereal or esoteric. I'm out there somewhere. I guess as I'm speaking to you and you're, it's coming in through some sort of human sensorium, auditory, I am 
somehow sharing some aspect of your physical existence, I want to do the best I can to help you, even if that's the limitations that we're given. As much as you would come and see me, I still want to help with the same degree of commitment. <laughs> and again, that's why I do this. So, the article. The pronoun I signals truthfulness. <laughs> but so does, we've concluded, she, they, you, we. The person is committed to what they are saying. It's true. Owning it is important. But truth is not singularly determined. Once you own it, live by it, but also realize even in owning it, it's like your identity. It's really not yours entirely. It's yours predominantly, should be yours primarily, but you have to share it with the world. And there will be things that will ask of you, maybe demand of you, quality, quantity, to make some modifications. You'll have to perform. There'll be some competition dimension. I didn't mention it. There's always rules. Fairness, hopefully. It'll always be within some degree of mutual respect and fairness. And if you find out that the game's rigged, get out of it. But otherwise, it's just life. And if it is well-defined, if it's fairly defined, if it's built upon mutual respect, as the counseling relationship should be, and most of your relations, all of your relations, particularly with significant others, your persons, should be based on that, it works. Hopefully you won't get so caught up in the I that you'll come to the conclusion there is no other we or they or you're so disconnected from them that you can't enjoy your life. The pronoun I signals truthfulness. The person is committed to what they're saying. Yes, but make sure whatever you're committed to is attached to this fourth dimension way of approaching life. The article was in Psychology Today. It was written by Valerie Fridland, Ph.D., professor of linguistics at the University of Nevada, Reno. And you're listening to what? You're listening to Word with Dave Clay. And should you find it beneficial, I'd like to invite you back again to our next podcast. And in the meantime, and there's nothing probably wrong with me saying this, I want to wish you not only good health, but good mental health. Until then...